Good morning and welcome to Young Bucks, your Pittsburgh Pirates prospect podcast here on DK Sports Radio. My name is Alex Stumpf. I am joined as always by my co-host, Jared Prugar. Jared, we, we can't weasel out of it this week, man. We got to break down the hitters. I thought we were going to stall a little bit more. It's been two weeks since we started talking about uh, hitters. We talked about pitchers. We talked about different changes. I thought maybe for sure we'd talk about just the weather in Florida, how you're looking forward to going down there. Oh, yeah. Leaving me up in the cold uh, to deal with the snow and everything else, Um, leaving me here to to rot uh, until May when most of our leagues start. But it's cool. I I forgive you just this once. But let's talk hitters. It is a Pirates Prospect podcast. See, I'm getting better at that, too. There you go. There you go, yeah. And, you know, same way we did with the hitters, we have a list of 10 – or same way we did with the pitchers, I should say. We have a list of 10 hitters each. Uh, we're going to have a little overlap at the top because it's pretty consensus who the top hitters in this Pirates Farm system are. But there's a lot of, you know, fluctuation in those lower spots. And I think that's got to lead to some good discussion. Jared, I led off this last time. We're going to let you lead off this time with your number 10. All right, so we're going to lefty leadoff hitter. For me, I'm left-handed, so that's where that joke comes in. Um, so I am a very, I'm a very big proponent of this guy. I love Sammy Ciani. Um, I think he's got an excellent opportunity to continue to get better. I think he's got an excellent opportunity to just continue his growth up through the system. Um, with that said, I think he's a versatile guy, um, and you know he's still young. He's fast. I think he's a good guy that can play center field. He also can probably play in left field as well with his speed, especially the way that PNC Park plays. Because to me, left field at PNC Park is a center field at most at most other places, just the way that it's laid out and stuff like that. The my, the thing that excites me the most is his hitter. As, as, as a hitter for him, as he had a 15.9% walk rate. So I'm, I'm very interested to see where he starts um, in the system, whether he starts in double A, whether he starts in high A, who knows. But he's a guy that, that I look forward to, to seeing get to play this year. Siani, there are a couple players like Siani in this farm system for me. There's Calvin Mitchell. There's, there's Travis Swaggerty, you know, outfielders who were taken in the first round or in Siani's case in the competitive balance, a pit round, which is like the very, 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 very end of the first round who, yes, they all have some potential. Yes. I like the way they move. I know Mitchell in particular, the parts like his makeup. I only have one outfielder. Well, three outfielders on this list, I guess I should say. It's a very infield-heavy list for me. And the number 10 spot for me is the outfielder that they just traded for, uh, Kanan Smith-Najiba. He came over in the Jameson tie-on trade. Here's a guy who does two things very well. He makes hard contact, and he swings at good pitches. He swings at pitches in the zone. And, yes, there are more whiffs than you would like in that scenario. I feel like that's something that he could that could be coached out something that as he gets older he stops missing those opportunities hits the ball really hard swing at the right pitches he does that too I get the concerns about how he's going to field in the future because right now he's a left fielder not because you know like you said PNC Park you need that speedy left fielder he's left fielder because he's you know not that great a fielder you know and that's 
probably the least taxing of the outfield spots to have. It's here's a guy I, I, I have him solely on for his bat, but you know, the Swaggerties, the Sianis, the Calvin Mitchells, they could be on the list too. They could, I, they all got serious consideration for my top 10. I just wanted a little more power out of this spot. So I went with him. No, and, and hard contact is huge, man. You, we talk about that all the time because if you're, if you're barreling the ball up, if you're putting it gap to gap, you have, you have a lot more options than you do if you're hitting that ball into the ground and you're a warm burner. So I like the contact. I like what the potential and the speed. And, yeah, the swing and miss rate is going to come. But if you're swinging hard and you're making that hard contact, that's the trade-off that you're going to get. So I think that's an excellent opportunity for these guys to start working him gap to gap and get him, getting him that plate discipline that he needs to be consistent and work on that defense. And I think that could be a really, really good find um, in, a top, in a trade for, for a top young pitcher. Yeah. Number nine for me, another position that I really came down to, who is it going to be here? It, it, I, it was a choice between Ji-Huan Bay and Mason Martin. And I'll admit there's definitely more hype around Martin. Martin has the higher ceiling out of the two. If he does prove that he's not just a one-trick pony and could you know, just let that power play, in the major leagues, the tools, the other tools are good enough to get him to the major leagues. And then the power can play. Here's a guy who could play first base, maybe be a designated hitter. If the national league adopts that over the next couple of years, but I'm going with Bay just because I feel like he has a slightly higher floor out of here, but I'm not particularly enthralled with this guy. He really reminds me of Alan Hansen in that here's the fast guy could play a couple infield positions, Ooh. maybe could even you know shoot out to the outfield if you really want to just make him a full-blown utility man. A lot of – not a lot of power, but, you know, you should get on – will have a high enough batting average. A, a couple intriguing tools. I don't like the overall package that much, but the floor is high enough. I have him on the top ten list. This is the only guy that I – these first two spots I'm not crazy about for the Pirates. I, I was more excited to talk about, you know, the Pirates and how there were like 15 pitchers that legitimately could have made my top ten. Here it's kind of like I've got eight guys and then a couple spots that are really up for debate. No, and I think that makes sense because you look at, you look at Bay, and the way that I'm looking at that is there is no power. It, it's very, no. very, very rarely there. But he's a guy that has good plate discipline. He's speedy when he gets on the bases. And he's a middle infielder. And when you look at that and you look at the makeup of your roster, you know, it, it's not too far down the line that you could potentially see a future infield, depending on how things go with, with Nick Gonzalez, who we'll get to later, but Piguero, Cruz, and Hayes, if Cruz is still in the infield. Now, I, we're going to get to that those guys a little bit later here. But he's a guy that defensively has – has an excellent opportunity and he's just in that like that middle infield utility range that that it seems like the pirates have fallen in love with. that utility and that versatility i think is huge for him moving forward but i think we're going to find out what he's made of this year because he's going to i would imagine he's going to start the season in double a uh and and that's where the hitters are made that's where he's going to face good pitching he's going to have to become a professional hitter and, and that's where we're going to see. I would see the contact rate go up. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see him hit a little bit more for 
just a sliver of power, just to show that you can do it. You don't have to obviously do it every time. You're not swinging and missing all the time. But but that contact guy, I think I think he can play at the at the double A level, and we're going to find out. I think this year. Now, my pick for number nine was Lolo Sanchez. I, you didn't go nearly as deep into your outfield as I am, but as a as a lefty, I love it. I as as an outfielder, a career outfielder. Because I was left-handed and I had nowhere else to go because I wasn't tall enough to play first base. I love the outfield. I love pitching. I don't have very many options. So I'm going to give love to my outfielders um, in, on this segment. But he, he, had his, he was very successful in A-ball in 2019 in low A before struggling when he went to high A. So, yeah, the whiff rate isn't there. Or he, he doesn't – or is there, I should say. He doesn't whiff very much. He had 59 Ks and 458 plate appearances the last time we saw him on the field. But just like we talked about with Bay, he's not a power guy. And that's not necessarily something you see out of an outfielder. But he's got speed. He's got that the coachable tools that are going to make him look like um like he's better at than than what he is. So so they're going to be able to build on him when he gets to the higher levels of of the minors. And I think that's something that you can build off of when you have a strong foundation where you can, where you can drive the ball, you have good play discipline, and you have that speed. Yeah, and Lolo's kind of in that same group that I brought up with, you know, Siani, Calvin Mitchell, you know, speedy guys who high, you know, impact, you know, high, I guess I should say, hype guy outfielder from a while ago. It's going to have to need to develop. This is going to be a big year for so many of these outfielders in this system. And Sanchez, especially, he can't be lapped by some of these guys that are in the system. Right. No, and, and, that's, and that's the thing. Like, this is a big year. Like, we talk about the fact that they haven't played in a year or, or almost two years, but it's not just that. It's that there are guys knocking on the door to make everything more competitive than what it has been in the, in the, um, in the past. Because when we, if we would have had this podcast in 2019 or even early last year, we, can, we would be talking about the same people all the time. But now we have people that are pushing the envelope and busting at that door trying to get that promotion and that have the potential to make an impact, not just in the minor league system right now, but very soon in Pittsburgh. And I think that's a good problem to have, and that's what Charrington and his crew have done. We talked about the arms. There are so many options at arms or with, with the arms. And that wasn't the case less than a year and a half ago. So who's doing eight and seven here? Go for it. All right. I'll let you, you're the host. You, you be my All right. guest. All right. Eight and seven for me are two guys that I've talked about on this show before. And they both were traded for in January. Uh, number eight for me is Andy Rodriguez and number seven is Michael Escoto. Here are two guys that I know the Pirates internally are high on. In Rodriguez's case, they, they traded uh, Lucchesi, who is a very safe starting pitcher type that they could have had into this rotation this year. And they said, no, we would rather have this guy. Let's just start with the very the most appealing thing here that the Pirates have so much young pitching in this system that's going to start coming up in 2023. Well, this guy's going to be growing right alongside them. The swing, it's compact. I don't see a ton of power ever coming from it, but like 10 
home runs in the majors eventually. I like the way that he keeps his head steady throughout the swing. There are some good mechanics here. The Pirates are going to be developing him only as a catcher. He's gotten some reps in the outfield before. They're only going to develop him as a catcher. And look at just where this farm system is right now. They could definitely use another catcher. Escato is raw, extremely raw. Came out of the Dominican Republic. Hasn't played a game professionally stateside yet. Like this is, but the raw power, the raw tools are so appealing that here's a guy that maybe, maybe two years from now, if things go right, we're going to see him on top 100 lists. He does have that ceiling. He can be, you know, a potential impact player in the future. And that's basically what I look for whenever I come up with these top 10 lists. Like who in the future could I see really being a part of the Pirates, you know, starting lineup in the future. I think this guy could be one. I don't see it at shortstop though. I think he's going to have to move to another infield position. Well, and, and we talk about development all the time, right? We, it, this is a podcast based on prospects, but at the catcher position, they are incredibly light and throughout mm-hmm. the organization. You look at the majors, you look at triple A, double A, you know, you, that's, that's where you can make your money. That's where you can, I mean, you look at, at certain guys that have, that are still in the minor leagues that have caught professionally for 10, 15 years, there's nothing better than a, than a solid catcher. Um, and, and a lot of times you're throwing a catcher out there, especially at the backup role. You, you're not even worried about him hitting. You're more worried about him just being able to go out and play the position and not losing anything defensively. But when you have a catcher that can hit and that is a smart baseball player and has those tools that you can build on, that is a dangerous thing when – when you can put it all together. Yeah. And I think Rodriguez is the type of guy if for, I know I've written about this before, but you know, Jacob Stallings having adopted that weighted ball plan and the pirates being like, this is really good. You know, he, what he and Comandino came up with all the catchers were doing in spring training last year. I think they can make Rodriguez into a good receiver. And he obviously has the arm for the position. It's just, bringing it all together. I, I could see him growing into an everyday catcher. Right. And I think that's huge. And if you're, if you're able to develop that and develop it the right way, because you're going to be coaching him up the way that you want him coached, not, he's not getting there and you have to change some technique, whatever you're getting there and you're teaching him immediately. And that I think is huge as well. When you're, when you're looking at the developmental side of things. Now for me, Alex, Going back to the outfield, Kevin Mitchell played high A ball uh, two years ago, had a good year, had some power, but obviously the Florida State League is a pitcher-friendly league. He should, he's another guy that should be starting in Altoona. Um, and, and this is going to be a, an excellent opportunity to see what he's got because he wasn't so polished against or in 2019. But it'll be very interesting to see how that, that long layoff plays into his game and whether that set him back or set him forward um, moving forward as, as, as a 21-year-old outfielder? I know the parts like his makeup. And he's going to be one of those guys, like you said, and like we've said so many times on this show, you have to watch in 2020. I think he could be one of those guys who does raise an eye in 2021. I just wasn't confident enough to put him on my list. But like I said, I gave him strong consideration. And that's what I'm here for. <laughs> To make sure he gets his fair analysis here. I appreciate that. That's right. Got to show my love to outfielders, like I said. 
Now, for me, my next guy is we're going to the infield this time. So, so Whoa! bear with me. Here. I know it's crazy. Mason Martin. He played in high A in 2019. He's he's got a good approach. He's got some power as a corner infielder, as a, as a first baseman. And he was a guy that played in the alternate at the alternative spring training site. So everything that you, you look at and, and you see from him, it's, it's going to be a season or that he's going to be able to build on what he was able to do in Altoona last year. And now I think he'll be able to start in Altoona as, again as well. So it's, it's can he continue to hit? Can you continue to do it on a, on a consistent basis and hit for that power? Because when you're, when you're a power guy, yeah, there are going to be some strikeouts. That's just the nature of the beast and the nature of the style. But if you can, if you can get that, that plate approach really down pat and working with the guys that he was working with in Altoona last year, I would imagine that we're going to see a, a, a new – not necessarily new and improved, but a vastly improved Mason Martin in 2021. Again, one more guy that I gave a lot of consideration for. And you brought up that he was brought to Altoona last year, and I don't think that can really be understated. I know the Pirates don't exactly have a lot of first-base prospects, and I'm sure that factored into the decision, you know, just to have another first baseman besides Will Craig there. Best raw right-handed power in the system, and it's not particularly close. Probably... Borderline top 10 best raw power for all right-handed prospects across baseball. Just want to see if the rest of the tools are going to be good enough for him to actually be more than just, you know, a, remember Stetson Alley, <laughs> whenever he was hitting 30 How could I not? Runs. He was in Altoona for a million years. Yeah, well, back whenever he was in uh, West Virginia, whoever the A affiliate was at the time, he was hitting 30-something homers. I just want to make sure Mason Martin isn't that. That's a pretty good – I think that's a really good comparison. Do you think Mason Martin could be a pitcher someday? No, I don't then think the, so. Then the but then again, I don't think Stetson Alley could be a pitcher someday, so it evens out. But he is still with the – he is with the Rays as a hitter or as a pitcher, isn't he? As a pitcher, yeah. Because he can hit oh. – because he can hit 98-99, he just has absolutely no idea where it's going to go. No, it's, and he never it's a has. real nuclelouche <laughs> type of deal. Hey – we're going to take a quick break. Whenever we come back, we got six through three. And welcome back to Young Bucks here on DK Sports Radio. My name is Alex Stumpf. I'm joined with Jared Prugar. Jared We've got to go to the middle of the list now, and I'm going to let you take these next two spots here. Okay, excellent. So every time I, I, I get out of bed, I hop up on my bed, I turn my swag on, and that's my guy for number six, Travis Swaggerty. Okay? Oh, so he, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's bad, man. That's bad. This is twice on this show you've made me moan. I groan. Well, listen, I, I'm used to it at this point. But he's a guy that I liked last year. He's an older guy, comparatively speaking, on this list. Um, but he's a guy that, that played, very, played very well at the alternative site last year. Um, he's got some power. And I think him and, my, him and my number five guy are kind of neck and neck for who's going to have more power moving forward. But he's got a solid 
solid eye, solid speed. He's a very well-rounded player. And I think this is a guy that could be pushing on the door of AAA by, by midseason, if not um, maybe even a little later in the season. I see him in major leagues at some point this year. I mean, he's going to really have to struggle in my book for him not to get a promotion midseason. Um, one last time, I'm going to say it. I think this is all the outfielders that I gave serious consideration to for my top 10. Um, good round tools. I see a very high floor. I don't know how high of a ceiling there is, though. I, I think there's a very good chance that Travis Swaggerty will be, at the very least, a good fourth outfielder. I don't know about every day in center field. No, and, and I agree with that. I think, I think his, his ceiling is probably closer to the corners. Um, it, it's tough to play center field at the major league level. I, we see that every year. There's not many that can, that can handle it and handle it both successfully defensively and offensively. It's, it's a demanding position. Um, don't get me wrong. But his upside, I think, is there. Like I said, he's got a little bit more experience than most people that we've had on our list. And I think that's huge, too, um, mm-hmm. just age-wise. But, but this is a, a guy that was at that alternative site. So we talk, you talked about him potentially getting promoted to AAA. Well, those guys know him as well as anybody in the organization. So like we talked about, I think that's going to happen potentially sooner rather than later. But it's an excellent opportunity for, to see how he makes that jump from A, A ball, to the alternative site to double A this year because he's a guy that I would imagine that will start out in Altoona um, almost assuredly. But, of course, we don't make those decisions yet. I think there's a better chance he starts out at Indy, but I, I'm going to agree with everything else there. Agree to disagree. But no, and that's the, that's, that's the good point of it. That's, with this, the way, that, the way that the things are in the minors, we have no idea where some of these guys are going to go because Fair. we haven't seen their development over the course of the last year. So, and that's why I think both on both shows that we've had about pitchers and hitters, it's been so kind of scatterbrained because there's just so much up in the air because we haven't seen these guys. We don't know what Swaggerty did at the alternative site other than what they've said. And it's very possible that he could be ready for that for the AAA. But we just don't know that looking at, looking at it on paper. And, and like Ben Charrington also brought up, and then I swear I'm going to let you go with your fifth pick. Uh, he said recently, you know, we don't want to, you know, be bullish on a guy, send him up to double A or triple A, and then have to send him back down because we were a little too, they, they would rather be conservative, you know, with it and then be like, okay, early on in the year, okay, he's ready to send him to triple A. So I think maybe not in Swaggerty's case, maybe in Swaggerty's case, I don't know. But I think just across the minor leagues, we're going to see a lot of early promotions this year like a lot of guys be like okay okay he's good he could actually go to Altoona no and I think that's a very good point you talked about um you don't want to send a guy down well my number five guy is Jared Oliva so he's a guy that played in the majors last year six games did not have as much success as I'm sure anybody would have liked but that first taste in the majors there aren't very many people keyed in and that can go out and perform quite like Brian Hayes Right, so you're gonna have that initial uh, that initial lack of success when you get that adjustment going, and this is a guy that I think ha- has been pushing on that door, and he's he's gone up the ladder pretty quickly, right? So he's with that that first cup of coffee in that in the league. Now I think if he gets his next chance, I think it's gonna be that much better for him because you get up there and, and you're nervous. You're you're in the big stage. It's it's an incredible time. You get to put on the major league uniform for the first time. 
and it's an excellent opportunity for you to go and showcase your skills. So you've got all this added pressure, um, and then you have to go out and still play the game and against, against major leaguers. So you're playing against the best of the best. But I think he's a guy that could, have, could end up playing a big role for the, for the Pirates this year, especially if there are injuries ahead of him. Um, he's going to play solid defensively in center field. Um, the, the bat, I think, has got to, got to play a little bit more for me. Um, but he, he's a guy that can get on base and steal bases. And, and if you can develop just some sort of power, I think it's going to be huge for him moving forward. This is a heck of a transition for me because I have Oliva at number six for me. So Oliva, I, I agree with what Jared said. And getting to know him a little bit in spring training last year, very good makeup. I know I've, he, he does look like a potential center fielder everyday center field type. He has the speed, he has the range, he has the arm, which is kind of, you know, forgotten throughout all of it in center field. You also need to have, you know, a really good arm, you know, to play the position. I see all those good tools in him. I'm glad he got that cup of coffee in the majors last year. I think he really showed something. Maybe not, you know, like, oh, boy, wow, did you see him drive that ball? But just showed that he didn't look overwhelmed. And that's a big thing whenever you have a kid, especially in his case where he hadn't played in AAA yet. He really showed up well. And this is someone that I know you really got to know well in 2019 in Altoona because he started off the year slow. And then you talked to him. I'm going to throw you some love your way for this because I think you talked to him in June and wrote about how he's, you know, making some adjustments, feeling more comfortable and, not to put words in your mouth, you know, from 18 months ago, but basically you basically said like, Hey, you know, keep an eye on him. He's going to do something. And then what did he do? He just tore it up and won the MVP award for Altoona and then went to the Arizona fall league. He was named an all-star there. He's hit really well at the last couple stops. I don't see why that's going to stop in the major leagues. Right. And this, and first of all, I, I, I know I didn't mention this before, but he's got an incredible, Incredible first name. I, I don't think we can talk about take that lightly. Um, he might spell it a little differently than some people, but but he's got a great name. But but no, you're absolutely right. And and he and we talk about that that adjustment from single A, or it's not just well, yeah from single A to double A, and it's quite it's a very big adjustment because now pitchers are pitching; they're not just throwers in the Florida State League and in High A. They're throwers. They're not they're not quite polished as pitchers. But when you get to double A, man, you have to be. You have to be a dude. You have to go out there and 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 hit every. You have to. You can't take a pitch off. Um, but he's a guy that you that got used to it. He got that adjustment and it clicked. Him and Nunley worked together and and it just finally clicked for him. And now we see where it skyrocketed to him too. He played in the majors without playing in AAA. So this is a. He has the opportunity that he's going to start in AAA this year, um, with unless they decide to bring him up. Um, as an extra bench guy, which I don't think that they they're will. not going to do it for a bench role. And with Brian right. Goodwin and Alford out of options, it's kind of apparent. Sorry, Oliver, you'll be up some point midseason. Right. But he's, he's got that opportunity to build on what he did last year, both mm-hmm. at the alternative site and with his little cup of tea um, in the, uh, with the pirates. And, and that's a really good position to be in because guess what? Now you don't have those first, first hit, 
first game jitters. Now you can go out and play and play as comfortable as you can and just go out and be yourself, not trying to do too much, but just build and build and build game by game, pitch by pitch. The way – maybe this shouldn't have been a top ten for me. I mean, a top ten obviously makes more sense ranking this way. But the way I kind of look at the Pirates farm system is, at least for hitters, there's like – the top three guys for me are like in this top epsilon of like these guys are going to be good in the future. They are building blocks for the future. These are legitimate players. These next two guys are like – on the tier right below where it's like, if they could find, if they could tweak some stuff, if they could put it all together, I could see them being in the same thing, but they're not as sure of bets. And I don't think there's anyone more in this system, pitcher, hitter, whatever, who has that, you know, high ceiling, but absolutely nothing floor more than Hudson head, the outfielder that they got the headliner, but from the Joe Musgrove trade. Look at how his swing has evolved. Just pull up videos. I, go back to what I wrote about Joe Musgrove in that trade. Just see how that swing has evolved from whenever he was in high school. He wasn't a hitter at all. It was horrible. This is a very, very raw case. But here's the deal. He clobbers the baseball. There is a chance here that he could be like a left-handed George Springer light. Like he's not going to hit 30, 40 homers like George Springer, but he has the speed. He has the defensive prowess that he hits the ball crazy hard. He could hit 20 something homers and be a leadoff hitter. This is unbelievable untapped potential, but he's got to learn to swing a bat better. He's got to learn to do the bottom half of his mechanics. And this is the test for the pirates player development. As far as hitters go. Like, I can't remember who I said it for the pitchers. It might have been Eddie Yeen. It might have been, you know, a Jared Jones type guy. But this is the guy for hitters that the Pirates need to prove. The new player development needs to prove that they can do this. If they could make Hudson Head into an everyday player, he, he's going to be really good. And this is rebuild, build, whatever you want to call it, is going to go a whole lot faster if guys like him are clicking. Right, and if he's able to figure out his swing and really just kind of tone and, and just get it honed in and, and really into something as a lefty that, that he can use, he's got nearly elite foot speed. So he's going to be fast. He's got an above-average arm. So he's got an excellent opportunity physically as, as an athlete to really, really turn some heads this year. And I'm very interested to see how they develop him and, and, and how it goes for him because – this is a guy that is an incredible athlete from what we're seeing. And he's not even 21 yet, I don't think. So nope. it, it's, an, it's an excellent opportunity for him to be in the Pirate system and keep getting better because with his raw skills, when they, because he, he was drafted out of high school, $3 million, right, to sign him, which is absurd for, a any, third round pick. for any team. Yeah, as a third-round pick, right. And he's a guy that's going to keep rising pitch by pitch, game by game, if he's able to build on those skills and continue that up the ladder. Jared, I have a sinking suspicion our top four are going to be the same here. So I'm going to let you 
you say who who you like here at four and three? Oh, that's so much pressure, Alex. Do you want but me to go? Then? go? You can go for four. I'll go for three. Okay. Number four for me is O'Neal Cruz, a man who I, I feel like we're going to just get boring with analysis here, or at least I am, because what else is there to say about O'Neal Cruz? We all know about this kid at this point. Best raw power in the system. Like, he's, he's going to homer. It's as simple as that. Where is he going to play? And that's why he's in the same tier as Hudson Head, because I don't think it's a shortstop. And the Pirates aren't willing to admit yet that he's not a shortstop yet. They're going to, you know, experiment maybe a little with him in the outfield during spring training, but they're going to have to show that. O'Neill Cruz is going to have to show that he can play a position. He's a man without a position with this great hit tool, great power tool. Have it translate somewhere. If he's, you know, a year from now, if he's a right fielder, he's going to be something special. Right. You've got an excellent – I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I don't think he's going to be an outfielder – or not an outfielder, but I think, I think he's not – I don't think he's going to be a shortstop for very long. He's 6'7", right? When you, when you look at him trying to field ground balls, that's a lot of body bending down to get, get the balls. And, and to put that in perspective, so he, he's about 6'7". I'm about5'5"-ish. Um, give or take a couple inches uh, on my driver's license. But he, <laughs> when I interviewed him when he was in Altoona, I'm seeing eye to eye with him when he's sitting down. So he is a towering guy. And he kind of reminds me of a Gregory Polanco, where if you put him in the outfield and just give him space to be an athlete, and I think he's going to have success. Now he hits the ball hard. And we talked about this a, a couple, I'm not sure when, but. It, talking about this the ball just comes off his bat much different man it's in being close and hearing it and you have to see it and hear it to believe it but this is this guy like it it just sounds different coming off his bat and and i fully expect him to be in the majors at some point this season yeah i i do too later in the year he's got to go to indy first but he's on the 40 man there's no reason why he can't be up in the majors anymore no, and I, and I think he will be. I think he's, he's got the skills. He's, you know, he played in double-A before. He hit the alternative site last year. The, the dude can rake, and he hits for power. And he's got – and he's still got some frame to build on, too. And that's also with the Polanco comparison for me. He reminds me like Polanco was when he came into the system. If you, if you put some muscle on him and you, you bulk him up a little bit, he's – He's going to be lights out. Was he four for you or three? Or two or one, I guess I should say. He was four for me. He was okay. four for me. Who is three? I've got Piguero. Leavera Piguero at number three for me. Um, he was acquired in the Starling Marte trade, as we all know. And he's a contact. He's going to be a guy that's got – he has good walk rates. He's got good plate discipline. He's got a good ability to steal some bases. And, you know, he's a guy that could benefit a lot if they move Cruz to the outfield as, as a shortstop. And that could set up a really good 2022, potentially um, 2023 uh, infield for the Pirates if, you look at, if you're looking down the road. I have Peguero at number three, too. And I really – I'll admit, I – 
I really tried to justify a way to make him number two on this list, but I just, I just couldn't because, you know, he's still a little younger. He's still got, you know, a little more uncertainty than the guy I put at number two on my list. I am really high on Pagero. I, I, I really believe this is going to be half of the Pirates double play future or double play combo for the future. He has good overall tools. There is no real weak part of his game. This is a guy who could potentially hit, you know, 15, 20 homers, get on base at a 350 clip, provide good defense at a premium position, steal maybe 20 bases. There's a lot to like about this game where maybe, no, I don't see him being, you know, a perennial all-star or anything like that, but just a perennial impact player, the type of guy who year in, year out, he's like, he's going to be, he's going to give you like three or four or more, maybe even a little more if, you know, the development really goes well. I got a chance to, you know, talk to him this off season, get to know him a little bit. Dude's driven. It's just one of those guys who, you know, he talks about going to the major leagues and whatever he does, it's not sounding presumptive. Like he's taking it for granted. It's just like, there's this fire, this determination of there is, no force on, on hell on earth, you know, that's going to keep this guy from not being a major league baseball player. I like the makeup. I really like the makeup. I like the skills. He's going to be the shortstop of the future for this organization. He's in that top epsilon tier for me. Right. And I like his frame too. He's 6'1". He's got some room to build on, um, add some muscle. You can, you can build some quickness in there. And I think that's going to what has the potential to make him a, a really good ball player, really elite um, prospect as he continues his way up the system. Because I would imagine for him, he to me, I would pencil him as in as a starting shortstop in Altoona to start the season. Um, and and like we said, he's still young. He's still twenty. Um, he's still got an opportunity to continue to grow and grow into his frame. And that's something you can't really take lightly at that age because as they develop both physically. And mentally, it's going to be it's going to be a, a tight squeeze uh, for that infield uh, moving forward. Hey, we're going to take one more break. Whenever we come back, Jared and I have a very anticlimactic end to this list. I, I bet you can guess who the top two are. And welcome back to Young Bucks. Jared, I'm glad we had such good conversation about a lot of young, exciting players. Again, this is the second time we've done this. You know, we're, you know, five through ten, there's a lot of, you know, up in the air who's going to take one, who's going to take what. But whenever you look at this Pittsburgh Pirates organization, it's a pretty clear cut who the top two hitters are. And just to say, um, I have Nick Gonzalez at number two. Brian Hayes at number one. I'll let you do. Dealer's pick. Which one do you want to talk about first? And I guess I should say, is that the same order you have those guys? Because I'm able to see Hayes a little bit more in person. Hang on, hang on. Let's let's do that again. You really froze there, so. Let me know when you're good. Go for it. Just take up from where I said. All right, so I'm going to let you take Gonzalez and I'll take Hayes to start because I've been able to see Hayes 
a little bit longer than you have. Okay. Okay. So I'm taking Gonzalez. That's that's what I. Okay. Do. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I'm sorry. You threw me off. Like I, I was getting ready to listen to you, then play off of that. But okay, I'll, I'll, I'll talk Gonzalez. Nick Gonzalez. Again, the drive of this guy. Here's a guy who had an opportunity to get scholarships to play college in, in like Division three. He's like, no, I want to go to New Mexico State. They only could offer him a walk-on chance, and he had to convince his parents. He's saying, hey, I, I'm gonna need you know money so I could go to school this year. They're like, okay. You're going to get it this year because next year we're, we know you're going to be on the varsity team. And you know what? Not only that, he was – his manager there described him as the best player to ever come out of New Mexico State. He's not a shortstop. I know the Pirates keep labeling him as a shortstop. He's, he's a second baseman. He recognizes it too. He, he's, but he's versatile enough to do uh, the shifts of whenever he has to go over to the shortstop side of the bag. As a hitter – He's not going to have this outlandish slugging percentage like he did whatever he was hitting with a metal bat and in, in a hitter-friendly field in New Mexico, hitter-friendly environment. That's how you say words, hitter-friendly environment. But there's a lot of gap-to-gap power, a guy who could potentially hit 20 homers in a season with a potential 300 batting average, play his position well, do a lot of things well enough, and just produce as an offensive hitter. I think this is a guy who attacks, a guy who could do a lot on the field, right? There's a reason why the Pirates took him in the first round. You know, they he, maybe he's not as slam dunk as, you know, Kamar Rocker and Jack Leiter, who, my God, how good did they look in, in their <laughs> first start? They looked really good in there, but I – I see him take it over the everyday rule at second base in 2022. Right. And, and right now, I think with the Pirates, you have a couple of stop gaps at, at second base. So I think once Gonzalez is ready, he's, he's there. He's their guy. He's exactly what you would want in a second baseman prospect. He can hit for a little bit of power. He can hit for contact. He can, and he has good plate discipline. So you have above average, above average uh, speed. So you can add some – you can add maybe – 5, 10, 15 steals, and you have a, you have a smart baseball player. And it's really hard to, to go against a guy that bets on himself and wins. And I think that, that he has the opportunity, man. I mean, there are six teams that passed on him, right? I think he has the opportunity to, to really make them regret their decision to let him go, much like many Pirates drafts have gone and seen the, the Trouts and the Harpers and – Everybody else, you know, when they take Tony Sanchez and certain guys get picked way before then. But this is a guy that I think has got an excellent opportunity. Um, you know, he's, he's 21, so he's not as young as some of the people in, on our list. But he's got that college experience. My thing is he's obviously played in the Cape Cod. Um, so he's got an opportunity. He's played with Wooden Bats before. He spent time at the alternative site last season. So I'm very interested to see where he starts the season and, and how he can grow and see how far he goes this year because I think he's got the potential to, to work up the list really, really well um, moving forward. And then there's that Hayes kid, young Hayes. You ever heard of him? I, I, th- I think he's come up in conversation <laughs> once or twice. 
you're the one who's been able I think to he's see pretty good too um, yeah I think it seems all right. I think we mentioned him earlier in the show, but all joking aside, Cabrian Hayes is a stud. He, we've all we've always known defensively that he was a major league ready player when he was in Altoona in 2019. His glove could play at the at the major league level. It's the hitting that that really that really was not coming along, and then it came along, and it came along with a vengeance, man. You, you, he finished the 2019 season, carried it into uh, last season despite having COVID and battling back. And he just was consistent and polished. And it was just a, it was a sight to see because we talked about this before we, when we compared him, his debut, and, and what he did to, to Jared Olivas. There are not very many people that can come up to the major leagues and, and perform the way that he did and perform it day in and day out like he did. It, you would have looked, if you looked at his statistics and just kind of looked at them in that, in that isolated game or that isolated part of the season, you would not have realized that he was a rookie, let alone this is his first time in the majors um, without any prior experience um, playing Major League Baseball. But he's got the potential to, be, to, to do a lot of great things with the Pirates, and he is the cornerstone of the future as yeah. far as uh, defensively and offensively go. So I'm, I'm very interested to see where he picks up this year uh, because I think that he, he's going to be in contention with Rookie of the Year. I, I think he's the front runner for Rookie of the Year. And I'm going to just say two things here, and that'll be it for Hayes analysis from me. First, the way that he was able to adjust his swing and be able to – drive with that back leg more and know how to free up his hands more. There's a lot of good things. Not only that he does at the plate now, but just the willingness to learn, the willingness to get better. There's if Cabrian Hayes does not work out in the major leagues, it will I promise it will not be because he was apathetic. All right. <laughs> he's got the drive also. He's got the he's got the work ethic. He wore out his you know his brother. He was he was a professional pitcher in the minor leagues and he threw a batting practice and he basically wore out his arm, you know, just because he wanted to hit so much, you know, over these past couple winters. He's, he's this rebuilds Kutch. And that doesn't mean he's going to win MVPs, you know, like Kutch did, but he is the face of the rebuild, probably the face of the franchise right now and this is the editorial part of it well not editorial yet it is i was able to report that there have been at least very initial discussions of a potential extension for hayes long term parts need to get that done they need they need to get that done make sure that he is in place for years to come he's too important a player to you know have go through the arbitration player arbitration process make it worth his while just get it done, you know, lock him up, make him the true face. Right. And, and right now he's the cornerstone. He is what gives you promise. If you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, you know that you're going to go out and see Brian Hayes play defense, play and hit. And that's what gives you confidence moving forward that the Pirates have the opportunity to turn it around and be a competitive franchise once again. And he is the sole reason right now for it. You see what we've talked about throughout the last few episodes, but right now, the future is is here for Cabrian Hayes, and when he if he's able to to keep building, and he and I think with the way that he's made up mentally and emotionally, he's a guy that can not only 
handle that pressure of being the face of a franchise, the cornerstone of a franchise, but thrive in it and build on it. And I'm very exciting. Uh, I'm very excited to see it and, and see how it's going to go. So just to recap our lists for me, it is Kanan Smith Najiba, the outfielder at number 10, infielder Jihuan Bay at nine, Andy Rodriguez, the catcher at eight, infielder Michael Oscato at seven, outfielders Jared Oliva and Hudson Head at six and five, mystery position O'Neill Cruz at four, Lovier Peguero, the shortstop at three, his double play partner of the future, Nick Gonzalez at second base at two, and then that guy who's going to be setting up at third base right alongside them, Cabrian Hayes at number one. One, one more to, I think, for good measure. A guy that I think we should watch out for this year, um, still a prospect, because to me, I don't necessarily consider Hayes a prospect. I know he is still eligible to be rookie of the year, but let's be real here. I think a guy that, that we didn't we left off, off the list and a guy that could, not necessarily easily forgotten, but I think that he could turn some heads, is a guy that was just added to Major League Camp, Hunter Owen. Yeah. <laughs> We're already a front long, but, you know, I think Hunter Owen is a guy who I wouldn't be surprised if we see him come up in the major leagues, kind of like a Jose Osuna type role, right-handed power off the right. bench, could play corners. And I know I you saw a lot of that in there because I think he's a guy to, to keep an eye on, not just on this, obviously he wasn't on either of our lists, but he's a guy that I would pay attention to moving forward. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. There you go. The hands can play, man, and I think he's going to be successful moving forward. Thank you for listening to Young Bucks and our long-delayed episode of the Top 10 Hitters in the System. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to DK Sports Radio. Get all the great shows that we have on this channel. For Jerry Prugar, my name is Alex Stumpf. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week. Mm-hmm.